Starting a podcast can be very time-consuming. I've been doing it for more than three years now, and my biggest challenge was finding a way to distribute my episodes across major audio platforms in a way that was easy, effective, and free to use. That's when I came across Anchor. And the best part is that you can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's going on, everybody? This is George Felipe, and it's episode 14 of Let's Grab Coffee. I'm here with the great Swish, Manu Goswami. Finally, man, we're able Finally. to do this, uh, this podcast. I'm happy. What's up? Let's take it up. Uh, look, there's a lot I can say about this guy. I don't, I don't want to take his thunder, but uh, super, super ambitious, driven, motivated, successful young entrepreneur. He's the co-founder and CEO of COO of Dunk, a serial entrepreneur. He's had uh, different, different adventures before that, I mean, I think you started at the age of like 15 or 16. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's actually a cannabis top one, uh, 20 out of 20. Super, super cool dude. Um, on the side though, LinkedIn editor, LinkedIn influencer. He consults Fortune 500 companies like Google, American Express. There's so much I can say uh, about Manu. I don't want to steal his thunder, so I'm going to let you, you know, just tell us a bit about yourself. I'm covered, man. I'm, I'm a kid. I love, <laughs> I love playing basketball. I'm very family driven. I love my mom more than anyone in the world and my brother. Sorry, I should include that, and my brother. Um, and uh, I'm just a person who is constantly trying to be able to like get after their dreams and not let go of my childhood dreams. You know, I had that childhood dream of becoming, you know, big and rich and famous. That started to evolve when, like, five, four years ago, I was like, hey, instead of doing all of that, want to go and directly impact people, affect their lives, make them feel happy, make them feel more knowledgeable, anything like that, right? And that became my mission, literally became my mission. I did that on LinkedIn. I did that when I consult. I did that when I created companies. all about people. It's mm-hmm. all about people. And so that's who I am. I'm a people person. I'm a people lover. And I'm happy to be here finally. Love it. But tell me something, man. Yeah. Obviously, you started at a very early age. Very early. Someone watching this, especially in, in, in this audience group, Someone might be in their twenties. Yep. They're looking at you. They're saying, "Look, you've done a lot. Mm-hmm. How do I get started?" It's two things, actually. One, one is in order to get started, the first step you have to have is planning, okay. right? But the problem is a lot of people concentrate on that planning phase a bit too much. You know, if you go outside Bay Street, wherever, in Toronto, in New York, wherever you guys are from, you will see hundreds of people with ideas. You know, there is no shortage of ideas in the world. What there is a shortage of is people who execute directly upon those ideas. And that's why I think the second step past the planning process, the execution part, is what people really need to concentrate on. Once you have an idea, build out a team, build a small little MVP. If you're building an app, go on envision.com. If you're building a service, go into your community, test out the idea. Make sure you do something immediately to validate that idea beyond just going to your mom and asking her if it's a good idea. Okay, sometimes moms can lie to you, right? Not my mom, she's dead honest. She's like, that's a shit idea. But that's what you really need to do. Get past the planning process, test out the idea, get validation. If you think it's a good idea, build a team around it and go for it. You know, and I understand that people have obligations. I understand you might have work, you might have school, you might have something else going on. But if you're dead set on building that idea and having that solution be the solution to a problem that you've identified, and you're so insistent on putting that out in the world, there is nothing that can come in your way. There is literally nothing that can come in your way. You will find time, you will prioritize time in your week for that project in terms of planning and executing upon it. So obviously execution is the name of the game. It is. You know this, I mean, look, at the end of the day, everybody can have ideas, 
right? We can actually brainstorm right now, the next 100 years. Literally. The best ideas, the most revolutionary things. Yep. If you don't execute, it's all, it's all waste. It's all waste. It's all waste. Yeah. I want to get to the point, though. Obviously, you know, especially in the entrepreneurial world, when you're young, mm -hmm. right? 24, 20, 20. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, right? Yeah. I'm sure you've, you've, you've come across some challenges that because you don't maybe you're not at a certain age for sure you lack experience for sure right? and i'm not no, no, for sure this is this is the atmosphere right. I, I get hackled sometimes too how do you deal with it two things i mean one is the people who come out outright without even knowing me and say what do you know you're 20 those are the people i don't want to identify with mm. those are the people i do not i don't care too much about them um, i know it sounds harsh but the, the harsh reality is i've learned this is something i have actually learned over the last year is you can't make everyone love Right. And it was a harsh truth because growing up, I hated when people disliked me. Right. Like if I knew that someone out in the world disliked me, I'd go out of my way to make sure they liked me again. <laughs> but you know, I think the harsh reality with social media, with personal branding, with putting yourself out there is there are going to be people who don't like your message or who don't believe in you. Mm -hmm. And for me, I know that if I'm right in my heart, if I'm not preaching things I don't know anything about, if I'm not talking about things I have no experience in, then I'm doing the right thing. I stick to what I know, I talk about what I know, and I execute upon things that I've been able to prove have worked. How do you how do you get there? Because obviously what wait to translate, I mean yeah. you have very high EQ. Very right and, and, and but very low IQ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure low for it. but to get to that level, right. right, a lot of reflection. You really have to know who you are. Exactly. And I think the second step is not just knowing who you are, but being okay with it. Mm -hmm. Look, like I man, I'd love to be a dog. Yeah, I faint if I see blood. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't this frame fool me. Okay, yeah. uh, but, but yeah, everybody has their own superpower. How, how did you find yours? Yeah, I still have it, honestly. Like there are things that I'm good at, which I know I'm good at. And I speaking, right? Mm. Speaking, for <laughs> sure. But that took seven years, right? I mean, right. I have a speech impediment. Like I started off in grade seven having a terrible list. Sometimes it comes off. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Hopefully not. <laughs> but I do sometimes have a list, and it was a lot worse before. But I challenged myself to put myself in a very uncomfortable position, right? Which I think is a cliche now, but it's so true. When you yeah. put yourself in an uncomfortable position, you go into your fight or flight mode. That's the best mode to be in in life. Because you either contend with whatever is in front of you face to face, or you run away from it and you know that you ran away from it. So what I think that I concentrate on is speaking. I concentrate on organizing people. I am not good at driving. I am not good at cooking. I am not good at you know being able to run at home yet. I'm not good at emotional issues, honestly. Like I can't really grapple with that too well, even though I can understand them. Those are the things I know I suck at, but for me, what it's come down to, especially in this early age, is making sure that I concentrate on those really, really good abilities, because maybe in two, three years, it becomes a superpower of mine. It becomes something that everybody will want to pay money for or will want to give me attention for, mm -hmm. and that's maybe the game. Well, I appreciate your humility and actually highlighting those gaps. Yeah. We all have them. You were recently uh, in India. Yeah. Right? You were speaking at a conference. Mm -hmm. You were in Vancouver, before, uh, maybe after that, I believe, yep. for, for a local LinkedIn meetup. Shout out to that. You've been doing a lot of speaking with it. Absolutely. Someone watching this, they see you on stage, you yep. hold the microphone, it's so natural. Mm -hmm. how, how did you get there? Man? Debate. Debate literally changed my life. Like debate club high school? Debate club in university, high school, and junior high. I did it for seven yeah. years. I, yeah. I, I started off in grade seven. I sucked. 
I was so bad at debate. Like, not only did I have a list, but I was just, you know, really dumb. Like, yeah, you know, I, I used to take, like, really one-sided issues, like, and I used to make them, like, oh, there's clearly not another side to this talk. And then there was, and I'd be blindsided, and I'm like, how do I even debate that, you know? So for me, it was a huge learning process about critical thinking, public speaking, feeling confident in my ability, sure. and more importantly, again, not caring if somebody thinks that you're bad at whatever you think you're good at. You know, like there are going to be people I know that were either jealous of what I was doing in debate. I made the national team when I was in grade 10. I know there are people who didn't think I deserved to be on that team, but it didn't matter because in grade 12, I was a finalist at world. And that's the biggest truth in my life, which is all I did was go deeper and deeper into something that I thought I sucked at. And the way that I tactically became better at public speaking was practicing a shit ton alone and with people. And more importantly, learning from the best. Like, my brother is a world champion debater. He was the one who pushed me into debate. He's in right? law. He's in law. He just graduated law school. He kills it, right? He's so much smarter and better at pretty much everything that he does that, that I want to do. But the best thing about him is the way he teaches me is by experience. He didn't just teach me, like, public speaking 101. Use your hands. Like, no, right? Like, he literally made me take a speech and rehearse it to him again and again and again and again. And then he made me go on YouTube, watch great speakers, and write down what I liked about their speeches. That's all about practicing. And that's all something that everybody in the world, honestly, can get better at. It is whatever craft, whatever skill, even if you think you're good at it, there's always a room for improvement, even that. Right. And, I, and I would say, I think, you know, realistically, you know, aiming for, for the biggest IT conference and speaking on that stage mm -hmm. and building toward it, it's, you know, you can get there. That can be a long-term goal, but maybe in the short term, maybe speak at your university. I know you highlighted something like this. Yeah. Go to a meetup. Start an event yourself and just yeah. maybe find something you're extremely good at, finance, uh, maybe it's art, whatever that is for you, and, and just gather a small group and, and yeah. talk in front of them. I went to my right. old teacher. I literally went to my old teacher in junior high. I'm like, can I speak to the class? Right. And normally teachers love it because they love guest speakers, right? right. Whenever, you were, whenever you were a kid, you yeah. loved it when there was a guest speaker, right? You're like, yeah. Exactly. So teachers know that, and they're actually very much open to having guest speakers come, especially if they're students. So right. if you're a young person, even if you're not a young person, and you just want to get involved in speaking, go to your alumni and speak there. Go and set up an event like you said. Go to a meetup or, 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 yeah, or just use LinkedIn video yeah, or use some yeah. video software and just put yourself out there. Yeah. There are going to be people that shit on you initially, but the only way to get better is A, by taking in that criticism, analyzing whether it's actually right or just bullshit, and then having that chip on your shoulder and running with it. That's very true, man. And even like, I was, I was always comfortable in front of an audience, but even when I did my first podcast, you can go back to it. Been nervous, uh, right? Super nervous, yeah. man. Because it was a very different structure. Like, you can ask some questions and, you know, this being live, but just even if it's one person watching, right, you, you always have to be like on. Uh, so, so you're right. If, you know, with experience, uh, you mm -hmm. sort of get comfortable with it. Yeah. One of the things, too, just speaking outside of comfort, getting outside of the comfort zone, mm -hmm. for you, you know, your world was always startups. Yeah. Right? Even as a kid, what got you inspired to, to first of all, create your own venture, but also mm -hmm. just to continue in that path? Why not, why not go the, the more the other route? Yeah, I don't want to call it traditional. Mean, I was planning to go the traditional route. Right? Like I, I, I came into university knowing that I wanted to go to law school. Okay. I knew I wanted to go to law school. Was it because your brother or? Well, suits. But yeah. <laughs> the TV show. Hey, my brother too. <laughs> but hey, I'm like, hey, if I can get Megan Markle by going into law school, I'm going to law school. Okay? No, I'm kidding. But um, I knew I wanted to go to law school. And then even after that, right, I did an internship in Washington. The next year after that, I did consulting for Google, for American Express, all those companies, right? 
I was following a traditional route. The huge thing is I started realizing that I, in my life, noticed problems. And for some reason, early on in my life, I was very reliant on other people to solve my mom or my school or my government, right? Whatever. Like I was just relying on other people to solve issues that I had. And what I noticed is the best way for me to tackle those issues was A, for me to do it myself, because sometimes I was the only one noticing these issues and I was the only one that seemed to care about doing anything about it. Or B, I thought that I had the best plan to address those issues. And that's why it naturally came into that startup life, because that attracts people who are go-getters. It attracts people who want to solve things on their own and aren't relying on other people. That is the innate characteristic of an entrepreneur. It's someone who views a problem and thinks, I'll solve this one. I don't need to rely on anyone else to do it. Okay. And of course, you have a team. But I'm saying on the macro level, you're not relying on the government anymore for something. You're providing a service or providing a product that otherwise would not have been provided for in the first place. There's a scene, and it's going to tie back, but there's a scene yeah. in, in uh, Batman, one of the sequels, where remember when he's, he's trying to jump off the cliffs, mm -hmm. but he always tried with a rope, yep. and he'd always fail. Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I liked it so much, I wrote yeah. an article, I know I'm a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Let it be, guys. Uh, but but uh, you know, the guy with him in, in, in his cell told yep. him, like, you, you have to let go of the rope, yep. because you really have to feel that fear, yep. like yep. literally, and you're like, near death, yep. yeah. uh, to actually make it. Right, and that is, that's, I'm not, so I'm not advocating, and we're, I don't think we're both advocating for anyone to do something like that, but I think it's great because that, that example proves the fight or flight mode, right? Which is, that is what, like, what the, the reason why I think people who are disadvantaged sometimes have it so much better sometimes, sometimes, mm -hmm. is sure there are problems like institutional racism, there's issues of wealth inequality, all of these things are terrible, all of these things are things that the government, people should concentrate upon solving. But the number one thing that people who are disadvantaged, who are poorer, have over people who are richer is the biggest chip on their shoulder. Is this desire to prove the world wrong and this anger that will fuel them to do it. That is insane. And if you can take that energy, that, that anger, that, that fear, all of those insecurities and put it towards something positive, which not a lot of people do, that is the best energy you can put into a business, into a company, into your dream, whatever it is. It's a, it's a very big power. And even just on that point, if you yeah. look at LeBron James, for example, a lot of athletes, but him yeah. in particular, being being so successful mm -hmm. and just being a, a superhero man in yeah. basketball. Uh, in Akron, Ohio, I mean, he used to live in a super small apartment, yep. raised only by his, by his mother. Yep. Like, for very, very, uh, just, you know, scratching, right? Like, scrapper, just, but all his focus, mm -hmm. right? All his attention, all his effort, all he ever wanted to do was just basketball. Yeah. Right, they didn't have any resources by any means. They didn't have yeah. connections, networks. Mm -hmm. Didn't come from like a middle, not even a middle class family, but yeah. but still found find a way to do it. He's crappy. Right now, I, I want to take this. This might be a little tough, tough to answer, but right. on the flip side, right? Okay, this is again an individual who, who might not be from you know middle class family, might right. not ha have the same resources. What if someone is? Mm -hmm. Because from their perspective, it's like, well, I do have things to lose. Right. If I do make that leap, what? I mean, Maybe, you know, maybe it's, I did four years in, in, in say, engineering and yeah. I don't like it anymore. Mm -hmm. If I take that leap, you know, did I lose that four years? Yeah. Like, what, yeah. What's the opportunity cost there? Let's talk about it very clearly, which is if you're in school right now, the number one thing that a lot of people are being told is to go through their four years and then find what they want to do. That is the worst model for success, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. If I, the number one regret I have in life is not taking a gap year is not taking a gap year right out of high school because I feel like people don't need to rush their degree in any way. 
Like if you drop out of school, I'm not, again, not advocating that everyone drops out of school. College is great for a lot of reasons, but if you're a person that has a business that you really want to go full time into, this is for you. Think about it this way. If you're 21, 22, 23, I don't care what age, around that age, right? In an undergrad degree, if you leave school, you can always come back. Sure. My brother's graduating class in undergrad, the average age at the University of Toronto was 25. That meant that there were people who were 29, 30, 31 who were graduating, right? That's perfectly fine. That's the norm. And it only gets even bigger with graduate school, right? Law school, med school, all these people are much older. They're 27, 28, 29 years old. There's no reason why you need to be the 24-year-old lawyer, right? Or the 25-year-old doctor. There's no pressure. If anything, you're the one putting it on yourself. Or you might have parents that do. In which case, you're going to have to reconcile that on your own individual basis. Right. Let's talk about a job, though, right? You graduate after four years with an engineering degree. You get a job. You have a good life, but you still want more. Start that business, whatever you want, on the side. Wait until it's revenue. The stream it has coming in succeeds your business or whatever work you're doing. So if your salary per year is 70000 wait until your business at least has it over 70000 in estimated value. And then go and take that leap of faith. Because understand, again, I know the job market in many places is really hard to crack into. For engineering, for example, in Alberta. But it doesn't mean that there's a shortage of engineering jobs in the world as a whole. You know, there are a lot of people that for, for medicine go to the Caribbean because it's cheaper and there are a lot more jobs there, right? So I'm saying if you want to live an unconventional life, start living unconventionally. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Uh, you hit on a couple of points. The one thing that you've also done, I mean, whether you're an entrepreneur or, or you, you, know, you went straight mm -hmm. to university, you graduated, you did your yep. own thing. The one thing I, I found that, you know, like even stepping on stage, getting that degree, there's, there's 400, 500 other people getting that same paper. Mm -hmm. doesn't yeah. matter whether you're, you know, uh, 8.5 or AGPA, graduate, you get the paper, yep. fine. Yep. What sets you apart is you, is you know very well, what's your story? Mm -hmm. What's your personal brand? Yep. How can you grow that? Now, you've done it very well through platforms like LinkedIn. I think some people on the outside, you know, especially if they don't know you intimately, yep. they'll say, well, you know, he, he's using it to enhance his resume. Oh, you're just using it to build your personal brand. Or, oh, here's the, uh, the wizard of LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> you'll get all types of stuff. And I think there's so many misconceptions, man. So let's bridge into LinkedIn, but in general, yep. why was building your personal brand so important to you and how did you go about doing it? So I have a lot of ideas in my head and on my phone. Like literally on my phone, I have about 2,800 notes now. I text myself anywhere between 40 to 60 times per day, right? Wow. I text myself the most. You know? and I'm not <laughs> narcissistic. I just have a lot of ideas in my head that I need to get across or remember or write down that or ask people about. It works for me. But what I love about LinkedIn is it provides me this clear outlet to get my ideas, my thoughts, my questions out into the world so people can start engaging with it, interacting with it. And I love that sense of community. It's why I do it. You know, for anybody out there from the outside who's viewing my LinkedIn profile thinking I'm just trying to build my personal brand or, oh my God, this guy probably wants to run for office and build up his <laughs> voter base. Somebody actually told me that. I'm like, bro, I'm 20. Like, chill. I'm not running for office until if I ever do, until like eight to 10 years from now, right? But the big, big thing I'm doing it for is to have a beautiful sense of community, which I think everybody should have, not only in their physical life, but in my opinion, I think it's great to have it online too. Sure. You know, there are people who I've never met who interact with me every single day 
who, who literally <laughs> provide opportunities like this to be able to sit down and come on a podcast and share my story. And it all came because I took that leap of faith and made my first post on LinkedIn and didn't care about any of the criticism along the way because I knew that in my heart I wasn't doing anything wrong. I wasn't harming anyone. I was only trying to support other people and profile them and put their story ahead. And I know I can continue doing that and feel good about myself when I wake up. That, that's so critical, man. That last piece, especially even as I got started, right? Yeah. I think a lot of people, and I've gone this feedback, like, it, I think it's a start. Everybody's mm -hmm. so careful about what they write, how they write it, yeah. or how other people are going to perceive it. Yeah. And it's such a barrier to actually just put yourself out, yeah. especially in a genuine way. Yeah. Exactly. Right? A lot of people just, you know, copy paste an article and like, oh, there we you go. Put a fabricated code on it, yeah, right? It's not themselves. It's not. And and then one more thing is, if you are a person who's scared about putting yourself out there, the number one piece of advice I always give is maybe you don't have to start off by saying, "Here's my opinion," and you have to put that out to the world. Right. Maybe what you do is you profile someone else's opinion, right? right? So if I'm starting off, I'm like, George, he's killing it. You know, he had a great job, super smart guy, great glasses, good yeah, look, good out. personal brand. <laughs> 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 no, but imagine I'm like George is a killer guy. I'm gonna profile you, I'm gonna interview you, and I'll put your story out, right? Who the hell would criticize me for that, right? And if anyone does criticize me for like, who are you to spotlight someone else? Then that's not someone you should be interacting with in the first place. Amen. You know? Amen. Like if you're just sharing someone's story and helping them get some more exposure and learning from them and sharing what you learn from them. That's perfectly fine. So if you're a person that's uncomfortable with advocating for your thoughts and ideas, it's fine. Everyone gets that confidence eventually. The first step is at least get started with posting content, and that could be of other people. I, I love that, man. And it's it's just it's so critical that that number one. I mean, you have like maybe two or three things, mm -hmm. and, and I follow the same the same norms. It's called right. values. Yeah. I do something that I, I truly believe in, yep. like deep inside. Mm -hmm. Two, I do something that's positive for other people. Mm -hmm. And three, if it makes me happy, I don't care what anybody says, I'm yep. gonna do it. And sometimes alter your line. Exactly, yeah. and, and that's where you have momentum, right? Yep. It's gonna take time and you're gonna, you know, it, it takes time to build, mm -hmm. but when you do that, man, just magic starts happening. No. I mean, when we first met on LinkedIn, it wasn't like, I just need you like, it, it took what, maybe, Couple months now, literally. You know, and, yeah. and we, we we did meetups together. Yeah, I think that's the first time I met you. Met you was, yeah. was the first one. Yeah, the meetup. So yeah. there is actual tangibility around around doing this. It's not just a fabricated way of building your digital brand. Yeah, right. I think that that's what people see on yeah. the outcome. Yeah, it's it's about getting not only your ideas out, but more importantly, being able to just be a contributor in an online community. Mm -hmm. Like imagine LinkedIn as a classroom. You know. Mm -hmm. The number one encouragement teachers give to students is not to like just sit down there and do nothing. It's to put their hand up and engage and interact with what's happening around them. Mm. That's what I'm doing on LinkedIn. So I don't understand why it's perfectly fine to not be seen as a loser if you're in a class putting your hand up, asking questions, and trying to contribute, but you're seen as a loser if you're doing that online. Right. That's the big you know question that I have is, is what the hell's up with that? You know. So that's all I'm doing. <laughs> There's often a struggle on, on that note. There's often a struggle with frequency. Yeah, right. For the sure. whole debate LinkedIn versus Facebook. Yeah, right. And I, I think people are, are really missing the point here. And I tell them two things: nobody has a gun to your head. Yeah. If you don't like people, unfollow. <laughs> unfollow you, man. Yeah, literally. Really, that's it's it. simple, yeah. right? And, and if I'm not contributing, just at least be constructive. Yeah. Maybe I can pivot. Maybe I can yeah. move. Yeah. Uh, but this whole notion of you know, oh, there's so much storytelling. I think I think it's actually been great for the platform. Yeah. And you don't have to use it that way. Yeah. I just want to make sure, like, exactly. right? I love that. Great it's point. a different frequency. Yeah. Like, just because Manu does, you know, one post. Uh, I know Fahad for Shadow Fahad does a lot yeah. of videos, mm -hmm. right? So does Bob. Like, there's different people who, who do different things, yeah. right? Um, so, so find it, find what works for you. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you right. want to just make LinkedIn about you know reaching out to people and getting coffees and 
putting your online resume together and leaving it there, go for it. You know, I have never advocated directly for someone to be like, you must get on LinkedIn and post, right? But when people ask me about it, I always obviously say that I would prefer a world where everybody thinks of themselves not just as consumers, but creators. Because I think it's liberating, I think it's empowering, and I think it's something that everybody can benefit from. Because there's so many indirect opportunities you can get from it that you never thought were imaginable before you did it. Like, I never thought speaking was something I could do. Like, I quit debate a year and a half ago, and then I'm like, all right, cool, I guess I'm done with that. Like, I'll concentrate on my business, I'll do a bit of writing on LinkedIn. And then through LinkedIn, I got my first speaking engagement. And through LinkedIn, I was able to get paid for that. And I was able to then start reaching out to a number of people. It's how I got signed to the National Speakers Bureau. All of that happened because of LinkedIn. Wow. And I'm not the only like <laughs> example of somebody no, benefiting sure. from the platform, right? There are tons of tons. people that have found a job through LinkedIn, that have gotten to met some good friends, that have been able to build up a group and following, and have been able to put out good content and sometimes get paid for it. All of this stuff is possible, but the only way it's possible is if you get your mind into the zone, which is, I'm not just a consumer, I'm a creator, here's what I believe in, how can I share it, what's the best medium to do that, and more importantly, how am I going to do it? Right. That's it. Now, obviously, as you said, you've leveraged the platform, and, and other ones, I mean, LinkedIn yeah. is one, Insta is another, mm -hmm. uh, you've done stuff with YouTube as well, yep. you've really put yourself out there, and I think building your personal profile eventually led to a lot of opportunities, but because you, obviously, you hustled, you refined your story, you put yourself out there, yep. I mean, it took time. You eventually joined a VC. Yeah. I didn't mention that in the intro. I wanted to speak to it here. Mm -hmm. JB Fitzgerald, right? Founded by uh, Trevor Book, yep. NBA player, if you don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so, so high profile VC. Mm -hmm. I have a friend actually recently, like maybe a week ago, he was telling me about how hard or difficult it can be to Great actually, game. right? Because yeah. usually these VCs, like, like uh, venture capitalist fund are, what, like maybe seven to 10, depending on size. I mean, yep. they, 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 it, it, their criteria for accepting people on their team is extremely rigid. Mm -hmm. You really, I mean, yeah. it, I, I know how tough it is because. Obviously, I'm close to the industry. So, yep. macro, micro tips. How did you get in? I'd, I'd love to know. Literally, how I got in was again putting myself out there. Like literally, <laughs> no, no, no. I uh, the, the the short story is I met a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk about two years ago. So, right? Drops it. Just, just Gary. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I, I thought Gary like Gary yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like in Scarborough. Yeah, man. I just you know, I was getting a cab, and I'm like, oh shit, Gary. Okay. <laughs> So I went to his office and I met him and uh, we had a great meeting. It's online. The search of Gary Vaynerchuk meets young fan. That's what they titled it, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, and we had a good meeting. We stayed connected. We started following each other, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And, you know, I, I, he put out a post on Instagram, which was about a year and a half ago. He said, describe yourself in one sentence. And I put out, I'm the best young entrepreneur you've ever met. I put a winky face at the end. Obviously, I didn't mean it. It was sarcastic. He liked it. A lot of the other people in the Vayner Nation liked it as well. And Trevor saw that post. And he went into my profile. He saw my website that I linked to it. Crazy. He went through my LinkedIn page because my website also linked to my LinkedIn page. Everything was connected. My brand was cohesive. It was putting what I had done out there in a very clear and authentic way. And he was like, I want to reach out to this guy. He reached out to me. I noticed the message about like two weeks later. I didn't even, I didn't even notice it before. I was like, what are message requests on Instagram, right? I looked into it and I'm like, oh shit. And we met wow. for dinner, January 13th last year in yeah. Toronto before we played the Raptors. They won. I hate it, damn it, whatever. 
And he was like, hey, I'd love to work with you in some way. I think the first step is, why don't you come on board? I'm setting up a VC. A lot of players these days are doing that. And a lot of, a lot of people, especially from a younger generation, are trying to do it too. And you don't need to be this hardline finance person anymore. All you need to do is either have a really good network, which I did, of young entrepreneurs that I can bring to Trevor, or you have a really good expertise on things like social media. Because that's the thing VCs, especially the younger ones, are trying to compete with. They're trying to put their name out there as opposed to being very reserved and traditional like some of the older VCs that don't really care about how many followers they have on Facebook or whatever. True. That's really cool. And so that's the way I did it, man. It was all about A, putting myself out there, B, making a cohesive brand, and three, following up and making sure that when I had somebody in my network who was really good, the first thing I did was provide value. It's asking, what can I do for you? Instead of taking something from you. So entrepreneur, yep. influencer, VC, what do you imagine is next for you? Maybe right. in the next five years. Yeah. If you don't plan that way, that's fine. I yeah. just, like, where, where do you see yourself going next? So I, have, story yeah, I have a five-year goal. I mean, I don't know if I'll reach it. I also might adapt. I might change this like tomorrow, literally. I might wake up tomorrow being like, ah, oh, shit, I told George a lie. You know, like, that's <laughs> not true, man. Like, you got to change go back to this. Yeah. <laughs> <why Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. But no, man, my five-year plan is to pivot to entertainment. Um, really? I, I, growing up, huge Bollywood fan. Oh, huge Bollywood fan. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> it doesn't mean I want to be an actor. It doesn't mean I want to be an actor. I want to still be an entrepreneur, but I want to work in the entertainment space. Okay. So I don't think there are a lot of young innovators in the entertainment space doing anything you know, disruptive and different. Um, and more importantly, one of my dreams before I run for politics, you know, eight to ten years down the road, is to be a talk show host like John Oliver or John Stewart, where really? I commentate on political issues and distill it, simplify it for people to understand, but do it in a kind of humorous way. So that's honestly my dream, you know, like I, I literally want to do that. Yeah. I, I seriously was not expecting Yeah, that. what were you thinking? I, I, I don't know, I, you know, maybe like that CEO, like nah, nah. I mean, I'd love to I'd love to run a huge company, you know, I'm hoping that Dog, yeah. I'm hoping Superfan, I'm hoping all the products I'm working on become big, but at the end but of the day, short -term, yeah. but I also have an honest approach here, right? I'm not going to say that we're going to be, you know, the next Amazon or CAA or IMG or anything, you know, until we're very close to it. Okay. So right now, I think we're very far from it. Um, it's something I definitely, you know, in five years, if it does become big, I'll of course continue with it. And maybe my trajectory will change a bit. But I definitely know that the three things that I want to work in wow. is business, politics, and entertainment. Yeah. And hopefully, a combined version of all three will exist. And I can see why. I mean, business from the entrepreneurial side, yeah. uh, the entertainment from the speaking side, yeah. and the politics. I think because what, what you what you've been doing very well is, is not just distilling the message, but also removing the mask. Yeah. And you, you know, and you've done that very well. That's why a lot of people like your content because mm -hmm. it's not it's not fabric. It's stripped. Yeah. This is what it is. Here you go. And, that, and if right. I ever did run for office, it's what I do. You know. Uh, I think the, the term authenticity is very cliche these days because everybody throws it around along with influencer and entrepreneur. Yes. But, but at the same time, I think honestly, like there, there needs to be a better perception towards politics. Mm -hmm. I hope to be a person that one day can help change the way people view it and can make it more transparent, can make it more like you're talking to not a politician, but a friend. That's my dream is every politician can be like that. Even if you're at the federal level in Ottawa where you might not be in your own constituency, I hope that we can still have a world where people view politicians in a different way um, and in a way where they can directly interact with them and there's no like bureaucracy that comes in the way. Love it, Manu. I know we're, we have to go get dinner soon. Absolutely. Last thing, one tip, one, the single one best piece of advice you have. I'm going to point 
Because this is like little oh, shit. <laughs> All right, it's, it's go time, baby. All right, single biggest <laughs> tip that I can give. All right, there's this two that I'm, I'm kind of battling between. You can so say I'm, it. I'm just no going to do both. Yeah, yeah. The first is start now. Um, and I think the reason why is this. You guys are, people listening to this podcast, people viewing the video, people doing whatever, interacting with this content in any way, the number one thing you're going to be thinking right now is either two things. One, you're going to be thinking, all right, I'm ready to go. Great, let's do it. And tomorrow, the motivation is going to be gone. And I don't want that. So the first thing I want you to do is to make sure that you aren't relying upon videos and podcasts like this for your motivation, that you have some intrinsic desire to do something with an entrepreneurship or business or whatever you're crafted. If you're a person, however, that does the second perception, which is, oh, this person doesn't even know what he's talking about, like, this is bullshit, what the hell are you saying, then great, move on with your life, but the biggest thing that I can advise you on is to not have any regrets. So if you clicked on this video, or if you were hearing this podcast, and you're hearing up till now, chances are you're interested in doing something around speaking, entrepreneurship, entertainment, something related to that. And if you are, the biggest thing I would say is starting now will minimize any regret that you'll have four to five to 10 years from now. And that feeling of regret is brutal for anyone that's ever felt it at a high level. I haven't yet. I felt micro regrets, but I've talked to people that are 60, 70, 80 years old and their life, you can see that there's a little tinkle in their eyes because they have a regret that was huge that they can go back and change. The second big piece of advice is please make sure that in the process of whatever you're doing, you value the relationships around you. It's very easy to get caught up on LinkedIn being like, I can meet anyone and get a coffee with anyone. That's not the name of the game. You can meet a thousand people, but at the end of the day, if you have 10 people that will wear your jersey, will bleed for you, will literally help you out whenever you want, that's the name of the game. So please make sure that every single person you follow, every single person you connect with, get coffee with, you're following up, you're building a relationship that's not trying to get something from them, but just being cool and having a good vibe with them like we are. Swish, thank you so much. And this, awesome. was, this was an amazing, amazing, uh, just, I don't want to call it a podcast or interview. I learned a lot from this myself, man. Thank I know you. we haven't had a, a lot of time just to catch up on it. So this yeah. was great. I hope this was valuable to any, everybody and anybody watching this. Thank you so much, Manu. Honestly, dude, I appreciate your story. Appreciate I appreciate you just laying all these lessons uh, out for us and being so humble in your own uh, experience. Guys, subscribe. There's a lot more content coming up. This is George Kleefe. Let's grab coffee. Peace.